Hallelujah. Joy to the world. You know, when, uh, when the angels appeared in, uh, at the birth of Jesus, they said, goodwill to men, goodwill to men. I mean, the, the intention of God is always for good, always for good for our lives. And so joy to the world is the message. Not uh, God doesn't come to condemn us for our sin, though he does want to free us from our sin. Because he said, we're already condemned. I mean, even if, even if people don't believe in God, even if people don't repent, sin carries with it a shame that you can't escape from. And so the message, what Jesus was saying is, listen, the world is already condemned. You may not know it, but you actually already carry the weight of that condemnation. So what the kingdom of God is, is the joy and the goodwill of God in his intention to set you free from everything that steals from you. So hallelujah, we want to we wanna enjoy the blessing of God today. Now, one of the things that happens around Christmas is that we, we become sentimental. We become nostalgic. We remember, you know, emotional moments in the past around, you know, some of these Christmas traditions, family traditions. You know what? Some, some of that actually steals from true worship. Some of that causes us to begin to focus on us enjoying the season. And you know what? There's times to enjoy the season. You're going to have, you know, candlelight dinners. You're going to have turkey dinners. You're going to have, you know, eggnog and whatever at home with Christmas carols in the background and family around. There's going to be lots of times to have sentimental emotional moments that minister to you. Worship, worship is about ministering to Him. Amen? What we want to do is release His presence here, because ultimately at the end of the day, the best edification we can get is God's presence in our midst. And some of us today, as we're coming in, we're facing battles, We're facing, we're in the middle of skirmishes. We're in the middle of trying to take new ground in our lives. And and we need the help of the body. We need the help that the worship of brothers and sisters around us, furnishing a manifestation of the presence of God. We need that today. Because not everybody has it all together, right? I know most of you guys do, but, you know... There are are people to your left and right that might not have it all together. I need your worship. I need your faith. I need your prayers. We all need each other's prayers of worship. So let's shift our hearts right now. So in just a second, we're going to, I'm going to pray, but we're going to release our spirits. You know, sometimes, if you ever notice that sometimes it takes 20 minutes before service, before you start experiencing the presence of God. That's because it takes 20 minutes for us to get on the same page. But what if everybody who is listening to my voice could decide right now, right now, right, like right this second, I'm going to focus on worshiping Jesus with all of my strength, with all of my heart, loving Him with all my mind and with all my soul. So, Father, right now we say in the name of Jesus, joy to the world. But, Lord... Glory to the King of kings. Glory to the Lord. Glory to your name. 
We say there's no other name, no other name, no other name given by which men will be saved. We say the name of Jesus, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, that he is Lord, that he is Lord. So we lift up your name this morning in Jesus' name. You know, the central revelation of the kingdom of God is that God is love. And the other day I was watching a video of a, a lion that had gotten trapped and uh, she, was, she was near death and her, her paw was almost amputated because the trap had cut so deeply. And so people were trying to rescue the lion. But do you think the lion knew that? Hey, No. Do you think the lion cooperated? No, because the lion was fearful. The lion existed on a paradigm of fear, flight, and self-preservation. And, uh, and the, the lion had no capacity to understand the goodwill of those who came to rescue her. You know, that's like us. We, we, we are so aware and so fearful of our defects, of what's wrong with us, that even when the Lord's coming near to us to deliver us from what's wrong within us, not to say, hey, but you're bad. We already know that. Well, sometimes. <laughs> but He comes to set us free. He comes to that thing in your life that causes you to retreat from me when I go, when I go to touch it. You, that thing that causes you to scurry in fear. Listen, if you would just trust me, if you would just really trust me, I want to remove that thing from your life. That thing you're afraid that if anybody knew this, if ever, anybody knew this about me, if anybody knew, I, uh, fear steals so much from us. And so later on in the service, I'm going to share a little bit more about this. But I'm so delighted we sang that song because I feel like, like this is the message. I want, I want to sing, go through this song one more time. Because God wants to set a banqueting table before you. He wants to unveil all of His goodness, all the things that He has in store for you. He wants to remove those quills from your body, those, those places where you have pain, those places where you have fear. He's got to take something out of that. But it's in order to bring you to wholeness and fullness so you can walk in the redemption that He has you because He loves you so much. And the key is we believe. We believe your goodness. Whose goodness? His goodness. Lord, we delight ourselves today in you. We say, God, our, the banner over us is love. And we believe in your goodness. And we believe in your grace. We believe that your intention toward us is love. It is love. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus today, in the name of Jesus today, we say, let breakthrough come. Let fear the tyranny of fear be broken in our lives. God, the fear that comes as a thief to steal, to kill, and to destroy, let it be broken. 
Let it be broken. Let it be broken. Let it be broken in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the thing is, we don't know how deep that fear, do, that fear goes, but he does. And that's why the whole process that he has us in is uh, maybe sometimes is a bit of a mystery to us, but he knows what he's doing. And the promise is the thing that he began, he will accomplish. And so we're just kind of along for the ride, and we're just saying, you know, at given moments, hey, I'm, I'm sticking with the, with the journey. I'm sticking with the journey because I believe you, God. I believe you know more than me. Hey, that's a, that's a big one. I believe you know more than me. I trust you. And because I believe in you, then nothing that happens to me is by accident. Amen? All right. Well, uh, this next part of the service we're really excited about. Uh, we've got a wonderful group here from the Kingdom Minded International Church. Let's just welcome them our, to our church. Truly a blessing to have all of you with us. Uh, we just love the partnership that God is creating between the two churches. Uh, Pastor Mark and myself went to their church, I think, two or three weeks ago. And uh, me and Pastor Mark both shared, and it was just a blessing to be with them. And we see the Lord is building something special between these two churches. And so uh, we've made a decision to partner with these guys and their endeavors and what Patrick's doing in Uganda and uh, so we're going to talk more about that as this goes on. Uh, but I'm going to introduce Patrick again. Let's welcome Patrick. He's been so awesome. So Patrick's going to introduce a little bit of what's going on here, because I think we've got about three little productions we're going to do. And he's going to be sharing a little bit about their journey and story, and then we're going to have him share just a little bit more about what Hope for Uganda is and what it does. So, Patrick. Amen, amen. We are so excited to be here. Amen, amen? And I'm so glad to come with every group. Everybody was so excited to come, but the van couldn't start in the morning. That was another story. But uh, everybody came in, whoever you are seeing here. Amen? So we are here just to give glory to God. There's nothing else brought us here. When, uh, when Pastor Mark and Pastor Chris visited, it was more than a joy. Thank you so much. So it's a greetings to everybody who couldn't come because of transportation issues, but all of us, we are here in the spirit. Amen? So we are going to bring this. So there is a drama choir there organizing themselves. So we are going to give you a little bit of African flavor. Amen, amen? So we do have, we do have three groups. We have the drama choir, which is part of the body of the church. We have the moms. Amen. Can I hear the mom clap on the house? And we have the, the choir, the team, the team like the one which you have here. So everybody is going to have just a little bit. We are going to sing in a different language, but God does hear all the languages. Amen, amen. So let glory be to God as the, as the drama choir is coming. And mind you, all of us, including myself, one time I was a refugee in Uganda. So most of the people, 98% at one time in our life, were refugees. Amen? So as part of being in a country like Canada, this is giving back. 
And this is showing that we are family, we are one family, regardless of where we are coming from. Amen, amen? Drama choir, are you ready? Come in. This is what is different between the heaven and the world. Amen, amen? Because in heaven, there are not going to be a little bit of technical issues. Everything will be smooth. But uh, this drama choir which you are seeing here, it was because of, it was all because of your leaders to release Pierrine and because she's the one who is in charge of the choir. So the first day when I walked here, that's why this church is so special. Amen? When I walked in here, Pastor Chris is the one whom I met first. And he said, he introduced me to them. And all these youth whom you are seeing, they were in a different location, in a different life. But because of your release, because of letting them come in, into, you are going to see what God has done. Amen, amen? So it's really a blessing. Thank you so much for the church because the leaders could not be how they are without your support. So hopefully the technology is good. Go for it. Thank you so much, Drama Choir. Thank you. Guys, this is just a snack. So at the end of the service, when we go there, they are going to be a full course of the meal. Amen, amen? So please don't leave so that we can enjoy. So the, drum, the, the team, the choir, while they are coming, uh, you know, as, as you see, all, all of us here, we have came. Personally, I did born in Congo. I was born in Congo. But due to the instability of Congo, uh, I lived as a refugee in Uganda, I fled in, Kong, in, in, in Uganda, and uh, I lived for almost 10 years in Uganda in a language, in a country which I didn't know how to speak the language, in a country where we had no hope. Amen? But today, I thank God that I'm in a country in Canada where I can do whatever I want and even to serve the Lord. Amen, amen? Uh, so as you are seeing people here on the stage, if I'm right, I think all of them, at one time, all of them, they, were, they freed their country because of the instabilities. So as I always stand, when I stand in front of the, the church, mostly here in Canada, I always thank you so much for the forefathers who created a platform for everybody to come. Guys, there is nothing better than having a country. So... For us to have a government which is functional like this, there is nothing we can give except to give the glory to God. Go ahead. I have a privilege of inviting our moms also to come forward. The song which they are going to sing, it's a, it's a blood of Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus, we couldn't be who we are. And uh, without the blood of Jesus, all of us, we are going to perish without Jesus. So that's a song which they are going to sing. Much of this year, I had an opportunity because every year I always get an opportunity to travel in Uganda. Uh, because of my history of being a refugee in Uganda, I felt called so much to, to start this life-changing movement of where we have seen the kids go to school, where we have seen 
mom's getting skills. I think people who were here in July 28th of this year, you saw what happened. Now it's really producing in Kampala. More than 20 kids are benefiting because of that day. Amen, amen. So much of last year, much of this year, while I was in Uganda, we always make a visit. So I made a visit in one of the family. And I found one of the, one of the young girl. Normally, she was so energetic. She's a little bit eight years old. But that day, she was just looking really down. I wondered, I was like, hi, Sasha, what is going on? She's one of the, the kids who is sponsored with one of the ladies here in Spruce Grove. And uh, she could not be able to talk. So the, ne the next morning, we decided to take her to the, to the medical clinic, which is in Kampala. When they checked, they found her, she had the malaria inside her stomach. Uh, they treated her, they were able to treat her. Uh, at the end, after like four days when I visited her back, she was running and doing well. Amen, amen? So when I went back to visit, this is what shocked me. Uh, the mom said, like, the relative, the, the one of the cousin of the girl, she had the same symptoms, and she ended up passing away while they were in the camp in, inside Uganda. So when, nom, uh, when someone supports a child, you're only just not giving her education or food at school. It's giving her life. We know God did pro, do provide everything, but also the doctors are there for the purpose. So today, uh, we kept on praying, and uh, I want to recognize the presence of my friend and uh, Mary, so who is now, is not no longer my friend, is my brother. Amen? Uh, <clears throat> in this year, we kept on praying, God, how can we do so that we can touch the big base of people not dying with those small, small sicknesses? But God always provide. In August, God did provide for us a land which is one acre and a half. I think that's a thing to clap, God, to clap the hands for God. Amen, amen. amen. So this year, we have a, next year in 2019, I have a privilege, and I'm looking forward to, to travel with Pastor Chris and Pastor Mark and the group from this church, and other people who, whom we are in the same organization, giving refugees. And uh, we are going to start, it's going to be a start of medical clinic to cater for more people. More people like Sasha are going to be cared of. Amen? So I was looking just statistics in Uganda. In 2017, 80,000 people died because of malaria only. So those are Ugandans. Uh, those are Ugandans who were born there. So for the refugees who have nothing, for them it's severe because they don't have a worker, they don't know the language, they don't know anything. So if you get 800,000 people dying because of malaria, that means 200, 200 people die every day in Uganda. And that's, I remember with, uh, with, uh, with Sasha, I think we did use less than $100. 
to treat her. So today, we all of us have an opportunity to sow into something which is going to change lives. So we did calculate because we do have a, a, a land, uh, a person who is going to do the construction for us. He told us that it's 25,000 to reach on, on the, to finish the first phase. We're like, God provides more than that. Amen, amen? So when we went into the calculation, we found the bricks, 1,000 bricks for 100, 115 workers for 150 for a day. So today, I want to give you this opportunity so that the person, we are not only going to, to help those refugees alone, even those poor Ugandans. So the opportunity, whatever you give, and uh, this is one thing which I want to add on. Myself, I don't get paid to do this. The board of directors, we are all volunteers. That's why whatever is given, it goes there and it makes differences. May God bless you as we are blessing others. I always tell my church, we are no longer on, a, on the side of asking. We are on the side of giving. Amen, amen? Because did God did give us, someone may say, oh, he's trying Show off. No, 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 it's not. Because God did move me from down to where I am. And I, devil is so bad. Most of the time, show us that we have all of the issues, bills, and all kinds of things which we have to take care of. But when I look, I look back 10 years ago, or I look and I look at the pictures, I say, God, I have more to give you. Yes. Amen, amen? Yes. So this is the opportunity for everybody to just sow into this ministry and may God bless you to whatever you are giving. Thank you. Father, I pray today as we get into your word, Father, that you would impart something to us. Father, thank you, God, that you have appointed us for freedom. It is for freedom, as the song says, that we have been set free. And so, Father, we pray that you would accentuate and hasten the freedom that you want us to walk in. God, I pray that you would release keys to us to see us completely set free. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to read a scripture. This ties into the song we were singing earlier. It's in 1 John it says, love has, verse John four seventeen. love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Uh, man, all of a sudden, something else opened up here. Do you know that, that you being perfected in love will give you boldness in the day of judgment? Uh, have you ever gone into a, a test or any kind of examination or any kind of re music recital where you're doing things in front of people and other people are evaluating you? D have you ever been intimidated? Is there anything about that process that is uncomfortable? <laughs> uh, yeah, everything, right? Everything about that process is uncomfortable. Uh, and yet, potentially, the most uncomfortable thing that will ever take place is that we will stand before a holy God who is perfect in every way, and that perfection is going to be unveiled upon our life. I mean, it's going to cascade down upon us in waves after waves after waves of perfection, and it's going to, 
It's going to stand in contrast to everything that's about us that, you know, is imperfect. Everything about us that we've done wrong. I mean, you know, it says we're going to be judged for every word, right? Every word we're going to be judged for. That's a lot of words, right? I mean, we are going to be scrutinized, it says. And yet here, John says we can have boldness in that day. I want you to think about that for a second. I can have boldness. Wow. Now, he says you can have boldness. doesn't say you will for sure have boldness. It's, it's available to us. There is a work of the Holy Spirit that's available for us in this life, and we can participate in it or not. We can taste of it in, in degrees, in greater degrees or lesser degrees, we can, we can walk in this process that God has for us. This is why, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians, when it talks about when we're going to be judged, it says some people, everything that they've done is going to be burnt up. All of their works that they thought were good are going to be burnt up, but they're going to still be saved, yet it says, yet by fire. And so, so not everybody is going to have the same level of ascent from heaven, Right? You know, some are going to be given one city, some five cities, some zero cities, right? Some are going to be given thrones, and some are just going to be, give, you know, given access to heaven by the skin of their teeth. I don't know about you, but I want the whole enchilada, to use the food metaphor, right? You know, I, I, I don't want to, and I remember years ago, Mike Bickle said this. He said, Lord, shock me now. Don't shock me later. And so if I'm going to be shocked, I want to be shocked now. And if, if we realize what's being offered to us, the shock now avoids the shock later. So that means if we deal with fear now, we'll have boldness later. These, are the, these things go together. And so the constant prayer from the time I was a young Christian is, God, shock me now. God, don't leave any stone unturned. But the, on the other hand, there's something in us when we're driven by fear is to cover things up that make us look bad. That's the wrong impulse. That's not the impulse of faith. The impulse of faith is everything will be revealed, so I'd rather have it revealed now in the privacy of my journey rather than in heaven in front of all of eternity. I mean, you know, God is dealing with you right now in the privacy of your heart. Don't you think that will be a little more comfortable? Even if it's fearful, a little more comfortable than in front of all of heaven? I mean, what do you want? Right? You're going to try on that new bathing suit. Do you want to do it in front of the whole universe or in the privacy of a dressing room? See if it fits, right? <laughs> it's a good analogy because God wants to give us an appetite for boldness for correction. God, come, give me more light. You know, and it, it ties into this. If we want to have an impact on our world, it depends how much light we're walking in. You know, your capacity to impact the world that's walking in darkness is based on how much light you have. So how much light do you have? Well, how much have you taken in? You know, it's not like we all have equal amounts of light. There are elements of dimensions of calling and, and all, gifting and all the rest of that, but on the scale of your, your individual life, we have, a, we have a capacity to ask God for more light. So, anyway, some great things here. I want to have boldness in the day of judgment. 
He says, because as he is now, so are we in this world. Well, that's a great thing to be able to have, to be as God is now, right, right now in this world. We don't have to wait. But this is, this is what he goes into. He says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So, Father, we want to, uh, we want to lay waste to fear in our life. The fear of exposure, the fear of light, the fear of walking uh, into a... a in, into scrutiny. Father, there's so much that's intimidating about the scrutiny and the the judgment of God. But Father, we want to have boldness. So Lord, give us the work of love in our life. In Jesus' name. As a young Christian, I didn't quite understand, and I still in some ways don't fully understand it, that, that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. Think about that for a second. I mean, obviously, hate is a bad thing and, and, and equally is, you know, non-beneficial to us. But fear, fear is, is really where the power of hate is or the power of darkness ear is. Fear is, in, fear is the anchor. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would break that in our life. Fear is the anchor of the kingdom of darkness in your life. If there's any space in your life that the enemy has, the anchor of that space is fear. Fear is the, is the root and the wellspring that keeps us from being perfected in love. So, God, we want to be delivered from fear today. God, set me free from fear, the fear of man. You know, it says that the fear of death is the thing that causes the, the, the power of Satan to, to manipulate the nations, is the fear of death. Men are whole, held in bondage, it says, all their lives because of the fear of death. How tragic would it be for us who have the message of eternal life to stand before God one day and realize that the power of the fear of death hung over us our whole life, and we never actually got free from it. How tragic would that be? But this is what it says. It says there's going to be an overcoming people that one day, it says the, 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 the power of their, their testimony, the power of their testimony and the spirit of prophecy and the, is going to operate in them. It says they're not going to love their lives even unto death. That doesn't mean they're all going to die necessarily. It may mean it may mean that they, some of us might face that choice, right? I mean, the rea- reality is some of us might face that choice. But you know what? If you've been delivered from the fear of death, you can meet death with boldness. Now, some people meet death with presumption because they're deceived, but we can meet death with boldness. So, Father... You know, why is this important? Because fear is active in our lives all the time. And wherever you see fear in your life, you know, it's kind of like, and you heard me this use this illustration before, it's like going to the fridge and smelling something rotten, right? You know, what, what do you usually do? It's like, well, man, hope that goes away, <laughs> right? It's like, close that door. That's, that stinks, yeah. 
No, you, you actually search it out, and you're going to get rid of it if you eat from that fridge. How is it then? Why would we ever do anything different with, in our lives? So the Holy Spirit has got you in situations in your life where you're brushing up against people and you're, and you're in relationship, you're called to walk with people in a church, and then, and then suddenly something happens that causes you to want to, uh, you know, that, that, that you want to break fellowship. Don't you think it would be good to find out what that thing is? What is that button? What is that trigger that caused you to be imperfect in love? And now I know I'm getting into other stuff here. It might be more complicated. It might seem to be more complicated than it is, but it isn't. It always comes down to fear. Now, listen, listen to this. The next verse. I wasn't going to go there, but I got it now. It says, we love him because he first loved us. We loved him because he first loved us. Do you know what that is actually referring to? Do you know that there is a pecking order in the kingdom of God? Do you know that there is a hierarchy in the kingdom of God? Oh, man. It's like, do you know that there are better and worse, there are higher and lower, there are stronger and weaker in the kingdom of God? Do you know that the kingdom of all, God is all about values, transcendent values, that not just, okay, you know, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, you, you know how we compare one another here. It's like, well, you're stronger and you're weaker, you're taller, you're shorter. And, but in the same way, the kingdom of God has these measurements in our lives. And so when we step into eternity, when we're rewarded, when we're walking uh, with Him for eternity, the measure of what we step into eternity with is what we carry for the rest of our existence. And now we have an opportunity to increase in these things. So the pecking order of the kingdom of God is reflected in this. It says, it says, we love him because he first loved us. Do you know what that means? I want you to picture this. That the greatest in the kingdom of God are those who love the most. Have you ever been in a situation where people didn't love you the way you thought you should be loved? Did that make you want to love them more or make you want to break away? Right? I mean, generally, our response is, you know, I went to that church and they never said hello to me. I went to that church and they treated me badly. I went to that, I said hi to him and he didn't say hi back. Right? And so usually, as immature believers, everything we do is based on sort of a social contract of sorts. You do this for me and I'll do that for you. And we sort, of, we sort of engage with the body in this limited fashion based on whether our needs are being met. And, and that is reflective of where we are in God's pecking order. And he says, listen, do you want to be like me? Who wants to be like God here? Who wants to be closer to God? Anybody? Who wants to go into eternity? Who wants to rule and reign with him and have a significant position? Anybody? All right. He said, then, then do what I did, is what he says. We love him because he first loved us. So what is he saying? Love. 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 You, well, who, how, oh, yeah, I can love from a distance. No, no, no. Love close and be the first to love. I remember when I first got married, and I was always, you know, this thing with the Holy Spirit. Every time there was a friction with us, you know, and I wanted to back away because I, I was mad. I'll fix you. 
You think, you know, my wife is so delightful, you think, how could you ever be mad at her? Oh, believe me. <laughs> but every time it happened, the Lord said, you know, I, I always, I'm mad. I'm, I'm upset emotionally. So I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to look at her. But you know what the Lord says? He says, deal with this. You deal with this. And, and I remember he'd show me this. He says, listen, the longer you stay in this condition, you are doing this away from her. And do you know where that leads to? That leads to divorce. Is that what you want? No. But I really want... And another part of me is like, I, it's so hard to do this when you're, when you're upset, right? But the Lord says, you do it. Well, why is it always me? She should come to me for once. He said, and this is what the Lord told me. He said, you, you want to you lead, right? You want to be a leader? You want to lead in your home? You want to lead in the church? Then do what I did. Be the first to love. Oh, you know, so often we posture ourselves. If you do this, I'll do this. And then we sort of will come back incrementally. You know, if you do that, I'll do this. You know, we'll satisfy the equation, do it, and okay. And we creep toward. This is not, this is not, it may feel safe, but it isn't. How many of you own a dog here? All right. There's a, there was a bumper sticker that this guy had. It said, it said, I wish I was the man my dog thinks I am. <laughs> And if you own a dog, you know what that means. I mean, dogs are, in terms of the animal kingdom, dogs are man's best friend because dogs love. And there's this joke I always tell you, who loves you more, your wife or your dog? There's actually a scientific way to figure it out. You take your dog and your wife, and you lock them in the trunk of your car for two hours, and you come back, and which one is happy to see you? Right? I mean, dogs, dogs are perfect in love. It doesn't matter what you do to them. They always, you know, they're always happy to see you. The tail's going, oh, mister. So, Wendy never had a dog before, but when we started taking care of, uh, what do you call it, uh, rescue animals, she realized dogs are amazing because they, there's just something about it. they weasel their way into your heart because they're just always the same response. They're always happy to see you. You know what I found? I'm drawn towards people that are happy to see me. I like people that like me. I don't know. Something about that guy is amazing. You know, it must be his wisdom. His, you know, it must be his... No, seriously, though. When you see somebody... And when, when you, that, that's always happy to see you, you start to want to see them more. You start enjoying being with them. Why? Because they're being like your heavenly father. We loved him because he first loved us. Love overcomes fear. And fear empowers this self-preservation, this, this cocooning in this little world. And, and, we're, and we're like these, these animals, like the lion I was talking about. We're caught in traps. And even when people come to help us, we view them with suspicion. 
because not because they've done anything wrong, but because we exist in a state of continual fear. And God is saying, listen, I want to set you free from fear. I want to set you free from all fear. And what the thing was we don't understand is that, that fear manifests our lives in so many ways. We fear not getting approved. We fear not being loved. We fear not being accepted. We fear. So we hide the worst parts of us and we present the good ones. And the only reason we can't live any other way is because we fear. You think, well, that's normal. It's normal in a fallen world, but it's not normal in the kingdom of God. In Exodus 30, well, in the 30s, there's a, the, Israel comes and meets with God, right? They come to meet with God at the mountain of God, right? You remember the mountain, right? What was that mountain like? It was fiery. It was shaking. It was, there was lightning. There was thunder. There was a dark cloud on it. And, and Moses said, tell the people to prepare themselves for three days and, and get holy. Like, you know, they need to clean their clothes and, and everything. And they must come to the mountain to meet God, but they can't touch the mountain. If they touch the mountain, they're going to die. All right? So if you have a fear issue already, that's going to be a little tough. So... This mountain is there. The glory of God is being revealed. Israel's coming to meet God. And the sound and the movements and the power when God speaks his voice is like a trumpet. It says in Hebrews when it's 12 when it's describing this that even Moses within him was terrified of the manifestation of God. Now, that's pretty scary stuff, right? Think, well, why would anybody want to come near to God then? So despite that, despite that, and I'm going to read it in a second, in about Exodus 33, Moses says, Lord, I see who you are, but I still want to know you more. I want to know you more. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory, Lord. And so this is what he's saying to God. And God's response is, yeah, I can't do that. He said, I can't, I can't show you all of my glory. This is chapter 33, verse 18. He says, please show me your glory. And verse 20, he said, you cannot see my face. No one shall see me and live. In other words, you, you, there's so much power in who I am. If you saw the fullness of me, you would not continue to exist in your current state. But this is what he says. This is an amazing thing. When he says, show me your glory, in verse 18, God says back to him in verse 19, then he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So he puts him in this particular spot in the mountain. He says, stand there. And uh, uh, I'll read some of the other verses in 34 because this, this is important. In verse 5, when the encounter comes, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord God, merciful, gracious, 
long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, the children upon children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And then he said, If I have found favor in your sight, Lord, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray you, go among us. So he goes into a different thing here. But here's what I wanted to put out. Israel comes to meet God, and the way that God manifests is terrifying. And yet Moses, Moses says, I want to see the essence of who you are. And when he gets past the thunder and the lightning and the dark clouds, and God reveals his essence, what is the essence of God? The essence is love, compassion, mercy, long-suffering, forgiving iniquity or forgiving sins. I was still judging the wicked, he said, but, but the core of who God is is love. Yet, the outer, the thing they first encounter is terrifying. Why? Why is it? You know, why this dichotomy? Why, why, why God so, you know, severe on the one hand, if he's so good? Why? There's a picture, a prophetic picture for your life right now. See, sometimes we think, as a young Christian, you know, God comes to your life and he says, he says to you, oh, I just love you, I love you, I love you. When I was a young Christian, I got so many prophetic words, oh, God loves you. And I, oh, good, I was a little nervous. <laughs> every time somebody, I mean, as a young Christian, every time somebody prophesied or told me that God loved me, it was, it was so refreshing to me. I loved it, absolutely loved it. Yet here... As Israel's meeting God, they meet the severity of God rather than the goodness. Wouldn't it be easier if God just said, no, I, you don't understand. I'm loving. I'm a, I'm a huggy bear. I, I just, mm, I want to kiss you all over. Why is that? Why that dichotomy? Because the fear... The fear that, is, that, is, that he's dealing with through the manifestation of his glory does not necessarily follow the manifestation of him, but the fear follows because the fear is in us. And I can't go into this too much. But when Adam and Eve, they met God before sin, and they never had a problem with God. But as soon as sin came on creation... Then when the same presence came, the same presence, the same God, they ran from him. Why? Because they had, he was the same. They were different. He's in the garden, meets with them every night. They got no problems. Now, something else has become a part of the fabric of their being. Fear. It is the, it is the sin nature and it manifests its captivity in fear. And it fears the light as much as it fears everything else. That fear. I think, oh, if, if people would just come at me differently, if people would just be nicer, I would respond better. No, because we are like the caged animals. 
who, who don't understand the goodwill of our Father. When God is coming to set us free from things. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that we would see in isolation today the torment of fear, how it is rooted in our being like a cancer. It has become intertwined with everything in us. And God, when you come, you come to, to sift our being, to free us from fear. Yet that same fear is the very thing that keeps us from entering your presence and from staying close enough to you. So I pray, God, in Jesus' name. And I don't know if today I can make this any clearer, but I'm telling you that the end of fear is at hand. The end of fear is at hand if we will do what the song said we sang earlier, if we can believe His goodness. If we, to the degree that you believe His goodness, you can endure the terror of the Lord. What Moses had was that he had a gut feeling that despite what I've just seen on the mountain, I believe that you are not terrifying in this way, that you are ultimately good. So show me your glory. Today, in this new covenant that we have, the same dichotomy exists. The same tension between what we actually believe about God and what we can endure of the manifestation of His presence. When His glory comes, if there is fear in us, we will not have boldness. We will run. And as opposed to the day of judgment when it's all happening at once, we have an opportunity over the course of your lifetime, over the course of these years and months, to say, God, I'm going to reject fear, and I'm going to step into love, and I'm, I'm going to own the fear. When I, when I, anything that causes me want to pull away is fear-based. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose love. I'm going to choose love because I want this fear eradicated from my life. See, let me say one more thing. We tend to te- treat fear with kid gloves. You, as, as, as a parent, you discipline everything, but you don't discipline fear. Because we, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're a victim. No, no, no. Fear is a part of their system. And I'm not, you know, tongue-in-cheek with disciplining fear. But the realization that setting kids free from fear is bringing them into love. And, and calling them to love, uh, to love the, the ones that they don't love. Calling them to go outside of the boundaries of what's comfortable for them is a part of their discipleship. And if you can train that into them as little children, they'll make much better Christians when they grow up. But we tend to justify fear. We tend to cuddle fear. We tend to justify fear. We tend to encourage fear. And in so doing, we're increasing our bondage. When God is saying, listen, if you want to be like me, love. Be the first to love. Be the first to risk. Be the first to take down your wall. Be the first to reach out your hand. Be the first to start a conversation. God is calling us and preparing us to reach the lost. You know what's, what's going to win them? Love. They already have fear. And they build their walls high. And they insulate themselves well. But love, like the love of a dog, will always win them over.
So, Father, I pray today that you would set us free from fear. God, and I pray today that you would mark something in our life. Lord, that an awareness would be upon us as a people to notice the trademarks of fear, the evidence of fear. God, that, that we, we fear manifests with so many other emotional masks and disguises. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray beginning today that fear will no longer go undetected in our lives. But God, that your Holy Spirit, I pray today for an, uh, um, uh, an, uh, an impartation, God, of a grace that will enable us to be intolerant of fear in Jesus' name. Amen. What Moses had that nobody else had, Moses believed. Moses believed something about God that was not currently evident to everybody else. And so while they were running from the presence of God, he was running towards the presence of God. And today in our lives, the same potential exists. We can run from the presence of God or we can run towards the presence of God. And, uh, and you may think that, oh, I'm, I'm not running from the presence of God. I'm just running from what is a threat well, the presence of God, when it comes, will appear as a threat when it's coming to destroy fear that keeps you in bondage. And it's the fear's own self-preservation that will cause you to run as well. But He's coming to set you free from fear. So, Father, we want to say today, God, we want, to, we want to lean into You. Give us what Moses had. This is an important moment for some of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we ask for an anointing to break the yoke of fear, fear of the supernatural, the fear of man, the fear of not having enough money. Oh, God, break fear. If you want to come forward, if you want to come forward in response to God, just come forward. Now, man, we could go so many places. But there, there are covenants. There are covenants and relationships today that the Lord wants to break. Now, this is really important. Pay attention, please. There are marriage covenants today that have been built, at least in part, around a respect for the foundation of fear. And you may not understand what that means, but I'm telling you that the nature of fear is that fear builds a house. Fear builds a structure, and it allows only people in that agree to keep that house intact. And so in many cases, young women and young men gather people around them that will will advance the security, the sense of security by preserving the house and the stronghold of fear. And I want to say to you today that uh, men and women, both men and women, often it's more uh, men who covenant with the fear in women, but it also happens the other way. But it's time to rise up as men that you are called for such a time as this and to, 
to not establish the foundations and the stronghold of fear, but to take it down. To take it down. To take it down. So, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, give us wisdom to know how to set our wives free. And for those uh, wives that are bold and married to a, a man who is less bold, Father, give the wife grace, God, to break the power of that fear in the life of her husband. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.